Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, that's Ellen, and we are super excited because our resident Brit crossed the pond just to come see little old us. Max is currently being held hostage in my guest room, but we will let him out for some evening shenanigans with some of the other patrons, like Sarah, who's here too. Ah, it's so exciting. Also, this is the best part about having this podcast. I know. I love the people that it has connected us with and the community that we're building and growing. And just thank you to all of you for being part of it, even if it's just as a keeper who listens to us once a week Mm -hmm. or as somebody who comments on our social media stuff or as somebody who's taking it a step further and become patrons. We love all of you. You guys are so awesome. I love it. But before we get too sappy, let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes, unless, of course, you're talking about the ones that happened this week. Yeah. Sirius shares just how happy he is to be back in his parents' house. When it comes to cleaning up after the meeting, Bill seems to forget that he has magic. Molly enlists everyone's help with dinner, but between Tonks and the twins, she may actually have preferred a midnight mealtime. Mundungus's klepto brain never sleeps while his conscience is possibly in a coma. And Harry might finally get some questions answered thanks to his dog father, and no thanks to his second mother. During episode 124, Crazy Great Minds, our Potter pondering was, Who do you think had a worse summer? Harry Potter, who was stuck at Privet Drive with no news and a Dementor attack, or Sirius Black, who was stuck at a murder house with his screaming mother. Ah! <laughs> hey guys, Mike calling in from, actually I'm in the recording studio, so that's pretty cool. As for who had a worse summer, I'm going to say definitely Harry Potter. Definitely not because of the Dementor attack. I think he probably actually kind of appreciated a break from the monotony. But I think because Sirius was actually like, at least around and able to contribute his two cents to whatever sort of planning they were doing. I think that was a huge upside for him. I think things really started to hit the fan when the school year came along and, you know, all the professors were back at school, all the students were back at school. He couldn't really talk to Harry so much and things still kept happening with him outside the loop. So I think that was the worst side for him. So just for the summer, I think Sirius definitely had the better summer. But then, as usually happens, Harry had the better school year. Yo, it's Quincy, and I got something to say today. You know what really got on my nerves? You know what really grind my gears? You know what really chapped my ass? Was Harry acting like a spoiled fucking brat. That's what got on my nerves. Because at least, at the very least, he could go somewhere. At the very least, he can get away, you know... Him complaining about not knowing what was going on. It's not like he could have done anything. You see, that's Harry's problem. Harry wanted to be up in everybody's business. You know, instead of understanding that, dude, you are 15. 
let the grown-ups handle the dangerous shit for right now and you live your life to the fucking fullest. Harry wanted to be all up in everybody's business. He wanted to know what was going on. Okay, so what? Sirius knew what was going on. He couldn't do shit about it. Sirius had to stay in the house and clean. So what were you going to do with the information of knowing what was going on? What were you going to do with that information? Not a damn thing. So the fact that you are over here throwing a hissy fit and acting like you had the worst summer ever, guess what? A lot of children spent their time indoors. A lot of children spent their time wandering around not knowing what was going on. I did, and I grew up perfectly fine. That's all I'm saying. Harry needed to get a reality check, and he needed to get it now because a lot of his problems would have been avoided if he would have just minded his own fucking business. Hey guys, it's Jackson. So who had the worst summer, Harry or Sirius? I'm going to have to go with Harry on this one. I mean, look, it sucks for Sirius that he was stuck in a place that he hated, you know, that reminded him of the fucked up family he came from. But he was still a vital part of the order. He still participated. He was still told what was going on. Harry was stuck with nothing no news, not being allowed to know what's going on, all on Dumbledore's orders. I mean, yeah, we hear Dumbledore's reasoning for it later on, but at this point, we don't know that, you know? And Harry's just been stuck and not knowing stuff that he had a right to know. So, yeah, Harry had the worst of the summers. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. Who had a worse summer, Sirius or Harry? And just me being the adult that I am, I'm going to say Harry because on a comparison of worse days and bad days, this has to be the best experiences for Sirius as opposed to some of his worst days, which was Azkaban. Come on now. But for Harry, this is the same shit as summer he been having Plus, getting choked out by Vernon till he had to fucking subconsciously magic himself out. Attacked by the mentors, almost getting expelled. Pretty much thinking you expelled at this point anyway. Worst summer for Harry. One of. Come on now. Sirius got company. He ain't outside eating scraps like a dog. He ain't locked up in there looking at the Dementors all day, every day. In all actuality, he's living his best life possible if he want to be alive. But I digress. Hey guys, Michaela here for this week's Pot of Pondering. So the question was, who had the worst summer? Was it Sirius or Harry? You know, I reckon Harry because, you know, he was stuck at Privet Drive first. No news of anything. Not even more info from his friends and that. You know, he went a whole scrap of summer without any news and that. And also the, followed by the Dementor attack and then getting expelled and the hearing and that. And also then suddenly when he comes back, he's suddenly told everything. And, it, you know, it's like he should have been told in the first place. Yeah, so that's it. See you guys. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was... Where does Kingsley Shacklebolt lead the Ministry to believe that Sirius has been hiding? Kingsley was feeding the Ministry the information that Sirius Black was currently hiding in Tibet. Tibet he was. Son of a... Ellen, fuck off. 
Congratulations goes to Mike Riley. Woohoo! He said he needs to pop up every now and then to make sure no one beats his streak, which, just as a reminder for everyone, it's at 11 weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Will anyone ever beat it? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, and the corresponding film zines. Chapter 5, The Order of the Phoenix, Part 2. Mrs. Weasley and Sirius continue arguing about whether or not Harry should be given information about Voldemort, Sirius pointing out that he isn't a child, and Molly pointing out that he isn't an adult or James. Sirius coldly tells her that he's perfectly clear who he is, and she fires back that she's not sure because sometimes he talks about him like he thinks he has his best friend back. Harry wants to know what's wrong with that, and she replies that no matter how much he may look like his father, he's still in school, and the adults responsible for him should not forget that. Sirius takes this as her calling him an irresponsible godfather, and Molly clarifies that she means he has been known to act rashly, which is why Dumbledore keeps reminding him to stay home. Sirius loudly requests they leave Dumbledore's instructions to him out of it, and Mrs. Weasley asks for her husband's support. Arthur cleans his glasses to delay responding, then slowly reminds his wife that Dumbledore knows Harry will have to be filled in to a certain extent, now that he's staying at headquarters. Molly reminds them that there's a difference between that and inviting him to ask whatever he likes, and at this point, Lupin speaks up to state that he thinks it's better if Harry gets the basic facts from them and not a garbled picture from others. Mrs. Weasley realizes she's going to be overruled and tries to share one last thing as someone who has Harry's best interests at heart, but Sirius cuts her off to tell her that he is not her son. She fiercely says that he is as good as, who else has he got? And when Sirius reminds her that he has him, she reminds him that he wasn't able to look after him while he was in Azkaban. As Sirius starts to rise out of his chair, Lupin speaks up again to remind Molly that she isn't the only person who cares about Harry and to tell his best friend to sit down. He then continues speaking, saying that Harry is old enough to have a say in this and Harry immediately says that he wants to know what's going on. Mrs. Weasley accepts this, but tries to send her own children and Hermione off to bed. Fred and George immediately begin bellowing that they are of age, as Ron and Jenny both shout about wanting to know, and Harry being allowed. Mr. Weasley wearily says that she can't stop Fred and George because they are legally of age, so she relents but insists that Ron and Jenny need to leave. Ron points out that Harry will tell him and Hermione everything anyway, and Mrs. Weasley shouts her acceptance of this fact, but still sends Ginny to bed. Ginny does not go quietly, waking Mrs. Black's portrait in the process and adding her ear-splitting shrieks to the din. Lupin slips out to silence the portrait, and when he returns, Sirius turns to Harry and asks him what he wants to know. Harry asks where Voldemort is and what he's doing, saying that nothing in the Muggle news has given any indication of his presence. And Sirius explains that it's because there haven't been any suspicious deaths that they know of yet. And they know a lot. Harry wants to know why he has stopped killing people, and his godfather explains that he doesn't want to draw attention to himself, saying his comeback wasn't quite how he wanted it. Lupin smiles and tells Harry that he messed it up for him, which confuses Harry. 
Sirius explains that he wasn't supposed to survive, meaning no one but the Death Eaters would know that Voldemort had come back. But Harry escaped and immediately alerted the only wizard that Voldemort has ever feared, Dumbledore. Sirius explains that Dumbledore was able to recall the Order of the Phoenix about an hour after Voldemort's return, and Harry wants to know what the Order has been doing. Sirius tells him that they are working hard to make sure Voldemort can't carry out his plans, which Dumbledore thinks include building up his army. Harry wants to know how they are trying to stop him from getting more followers, and Bill says that it has mainly been trying to convince as many people as possible that you-know-who has returned, but it's proving tricky because of the Ministry's attitude. Tonks reminds Harry how Cornelius Fudge behaved after you-know-who came back and tells him that his position hasn't shifted at all and he is absolutely refusing to believe it's happened. Harry wants to know why he's being so stupid, and Mr. Weasley and Tonks explain that it's because Fudge is frightened of Dumbledore, thinking that he's plotting to overthrow him to become Minister of Magic himself. He has never quite forgotten the popular support that Dumbledore had for the job, even though he never applied for it or even wanted it. Deep down, Fudge knows how much cleverer and more powerful Dumbledore is than himself, but has become so fond of power that he has managed to convince himself that Dumbledore is just trying to stir up trouble. He doesn't want to face the trouble the Ministry hasn't had to cope with for nearly 14 years. And while the Ministry is insisting that there is nothing to fear from Voldemort, it makes it more difficult for the Order to convince people that there is. Since the Ministry is also leaning heavily on the Daily Prophet to avoid printing any of what they are calling Dumbledore's rumor-mongering, most of the Wizarding World doesn't even know anything has happened, making them easy targets for the Imperious Curse. Harry asks the present members of the Order if they are telling people, and they all smile humorlessly. Sirius points out that everyone thinks he's a mass murderer, so he can't exactly go hand out leaflets. Lupin says that as a werewolf, he's not a popular dinner guest. Tonks and Arthur would lose their jobs at the Ministry if they started talking, and it's really important to keep spies in the Ministry. Mr. Weasley shares that they've been able to recruit some new people like Tonks and also Kingsley, who has been a real asset since he's in charge of the hunt for Sirius and has been feeding the Ministry information that he's in Tibet. But it basically just leaves Dumbledore to put the news out there, and it's gotten him in a lot of trouble because now they're trying to discredit him. He's been voted out of the chairmanship of the International Confederation of Wizards, has been demoted from Chief Warlock of the Wizengamot, and they're talking about taking away his Order of Merlin first class, too. Bill grins and says that Dumbledore doesn't really care, as long as they don't take him off the chocolate frog cards. But Mr. Weasley points out that it is no laughing matter, because carrying on like this could land Dumbledore in Azkaban, which is the last thing they'd want. Harry figures that the news is bound to get out eventually if Voldemort is trying to recruit followers, but Sirius reminds him that he is well-practiced at operating in secrecy, Plus, he has other plans, too. Harry wants to know what he's after aside from followers, and Sirius vaguely explains that it's something like a weapon that he can only get by stealth, something that he didn't have last time. When Harry asks if it's something worse than Avada Kedavra, Mrs. Weasley speaks up again to stop the conversation. She insists Harry, Fred, George, Ron, and Hermione all head to bed and snarls a shutdown when Fred tries to argue. Trembling slightly, she looks at Sirius and says, he's given Harry plenty of information anymore and they may as well just induct him into the order straight away. Harry immediately agrees to this, saying he wants to join and wants to fight, 
but this time it's Lupin who says no, that the order is comprised of overage wizards who are out of school. He agrees that they have said enough and Sirius shrugs but doesn't argue. Recognizing defeat, they all stand up and follow Mrs. Weasley's order to head upstairs. The movie scene starts out in the kitchen of Grimmauld Place, where everyone is sitting at the dinner table and the camera is focused on Crookshanks, who is licking his lips after ingesting the extendable ear. It cuts over to one of the twins, who is silently cursing the cat, and then over to Tonks, who is magically making her nose look like those of different animals, to Ginny's amusement. During all of this, Harry is having a conversation with Sirius, trying to understand what the Ministry of Magic has against him, and Moody speaks up to tell them to show him since he will find out soon enough. The entire table falls quiet and looks awkwardly around at one another, as Kingsley shakes out a copy of the Daily Prophet and passes it over to Harry. As he looks at a huge headline on the front page that reads, The Boy Who Lies? Sirius explains that the newspaper has been smearing Dumbledore as well. Fudge has been using his influence to smear anyone who claims Voldemort has returned. Harry wants to know why, and Lupin explains that the minister thinks Dumbledore is after his job. When Harry says that's insane, Lupin cuts him off to tell him that's exactly the point. Fudge isn't in his right mind. It has been twisted and warped by fear. He continues explaining that fear makes people do terrible things, and the last time Voldemort was in power, he nearly destroyed everything they hold most dear. Now that he has returned, he thinks Fudge will do anything to avoid facing that terrible truth. Sirius speaks up to share that they think Voldemort wants to build up his army again, because 14 years ago he had huge numbers at his command, witches and wizards and all manners of dark creatures. They know he has been recruiting heavily and the Order has been attempting to do the same. He begins to mention that gathering followers isn't the only thing that Voldemort is interested in, and though Moody clears his throat, Sirius continues to speak, saying that they believe he is after something. Mrs. Weasley stops chopping vegetables and stares at Sirius, as Moody warningly says his name. Choosing his words carefully, Sirius says that it is something he didn't have last time, and Harry asks if he means some kind of weapon. At this point, Mrs. Weasley sets down her knife as she says no, walking over to Harry to take the article away from him and admonish Sirius for giving him too much information, since he is just a boy. When she says that if he says much more, they might as well just induct him into the order straight away, Harry bursts out with good, he wants to join. If Voldemort is raising an army, then he wants to fight. Sirius sits back in his chair, pleased with these words, and tosses his godson a slight wink. The best that I can say about this section is that it loosely corresponds. Yeah. We did the best we could to line this part up. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Like we said last week, some of the things that happen in this section of the movie actually happen in the first half of the book chapter, but I mean, it was impossible to split and keep them perfectly lined up because of the way they had significantly streamlined this movie scene. Yeah, the location and general timing's the same mm -hmm. in the kitchen at Grimmauld Place. Sure. But as we already learned last week in the book, they've eaten dinner. Yeah. And Mrs. Weasley was just about to send everyone off to bed before Sirius stops her and basically invites Harry to ask some questions. Which I'm sure she was not a fan of. Mrs. Oh, we're I'm about to talk about that. Right? <laughs> and as you heard in our summary in the movie, Harry does get to ask some questions, but it isn't quite the same to do as in the book. Plus, it happens as Mrs. Weasley is preparing for dinner, so there is that minor timeline change. At least it isn't one that changes the whole story. 
Yeah. It's there something. Is that. Yeah. <laughs> so the movie scene joins us back in Grimmauld Place at dinner time with everyone sitting around the table. Ding. Ding. Yeah. We see Crookshanks trying to get the last of the ear out of his teeth while one of the twins silently hopes he chokes. Not really that silent. It wasn't. Though. His face was <laughs> screaming. <laughs> it really was. Down the table in a lighter mood is Tonks, who is changing her face into different animals to make Jenny laugh. And this is what we were talking about last week when mm-hmm. Tonks was changing her nose. But the book definitely made it sound more like she was just changing it into different human noses. Yeah. Like not specifically animals. It was like a pig nose, not a pig-like nose. It was a pig nose. It was a pig nose and, and then, then a, a duck beak. bill. Yeah. yeah. Like, but sure. Okay. You kind of got the gist in there. Why not? Yeah. I mean, considering they never actually said what Tonks is, yeah, that's about the closest that you got was, oh, but, look, she can change her face. It was more like an Easter egg than it was an right. actual storyline. Right. It had nothing to do with anything. Do with anything. Exactly. Me. Sure. Why not? Like I said. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Harry is having a conversation with some of the Order members trying to understand what the hell is going on because the Ministry didn't hate him last year. Like... He was in his own mind for a while, but he was pretty sure the ministry didn't fucking hate him. At least not publicly. Yeah, exactly. Moody finally cuts in and tells them to show him, seeing as how he's probably going to find out sooner or later. And it'll be more than likely sooner. Yeah. You know? Once you go back to school, kids talk. Oh, he's not even going to make it to the train before he finds out. Exactly. But it should probably come from them. If he's going to hear it... Might soften the blow. You know? Yeah. He'd at least have people who know what's going on and not just kids being dicks. Yeah. You know. A hush falls over the table and everyone looks around as Kingsley hands Harry a copy of the Daily Prophet, which has a huge ass headline reading, The Boy Who Lies? Big question mark. And a big picture of Harry from the Triwizard Tournament. So clever. They dropped the V from The Boy Who Lives Mm -hmm. to get The Boy Who Lies. Oh, they're real. They're real finger cuts there, aren't they? (laughs) No, I bet someone over there was so pleased with themselves for thinking of that. Now do you see how irritating it is when you're so pleased with your little puns, Ellen? I don't see the correlation. (laughs) Oh, I do. For the record, it was probably Fudge himself who thought of that. And if it was, that was also probably the cleverest thing that he's ever done in his life ever. That is true. But speaking of Fudge, then the headline changes to Fudge, all is well, with a picture of that dumbass. See, I would have gone with fudge, all is hell, because I can change one letter too. (laughs) But he wanted it to be all is well. I'm just making a point. Well done. (laughs) That's the only attaboy you're getting from me today, though. Oh, challenge accepted. (laughs) Anyway, Sirius tries to make Harry feel better by pointing out that they've been attacking Dumbledore too, so it's not just Harry, right? Like, yay? I'm sure that's a huge comfort to him at this point. (laughs) He's in good company, essentially. I mean, really, it's anyone who says Voldemort has returned. Because you don't want that shit out. Right. It's all is well, not all is hell. Exactly. Except that it is all is hell. (laughs) Except in reality. (laughs) And not fudge his head. (laughs) Yeah. So he's just going to go ahead and tell the papers what to print while the whole wizarding world goes to hell in a handbasket. See? All is hell. I'm just saying. In a handbasket. All is hell in a (laughs) handbasket. But this also basically leaves out 
all of the argument that Mrs. Weasley and Sirius have about whether or not Harry should be given information about Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned this at the end of our compare and contrast section last week is that Sirius and Molly are totally fighting and none of what we're about to talk about was shown in the movie scene. Yeah. There was a little tiny bit of it in the extendable ear portion. There was some tension. For sure. Yeah, like you heard the, you know, the he's comments just existed. a boy mm-hmm. and he's as good as, yeah. you know. And they absolutely referenced it. Mm-hmm. They did not include it. No. <laughs> you had to be paying a fucking attention. Mm. Like, Which we have been, but. <laughs> we have been, but casual movie watchers may not have been. And I'm not going to lie. When I saw it in the theaters, I had no idea what they said because theaters don't have closed captions. Right. They should, by the way. Side note. Yeah, they should. Mm-hmm. You definitely do miss things, mm-hmm. especially things that are said in an accent. The words don't always process properly. Yeah. But then when you get the like description of loud gasp. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that that is very helpful to people who actually need the captions. Yeah. But it's still, I love the way that they come up with to describe sound effects. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that they're doing that. And I want more of it. It's amazing. I love it. Really it. I love it. I want some more of it. We also need more of Molly and Sirius fighting because there are some low blows in this scene in mm-hmm. the book that, like you said, we got hints of it in yeah. a previous section. But you don't this get... moment, yeah. the fight, like, yes, at the end, Molly tells him to stop. But she never once speaks up before then to criticize Sirius directly the mm-hmm. way that she does in the book. Because the thing that kicks it off is Sirius telling her that Harry's not a child. And we did hear that in the movie. It was a side note, not a plot note. But Molly's response is what starts to show us what she really thinks of Sirius. Mm -hmm. Because she's just like, he's not an adult either. And he's not James. Yeah. Which, I mean, she just flat out called him a little twitched in the head. Yeah. And maybe he is. And maybe not even that, but just reminding him like... Your best friend's dead, dude. Yeah. It was a low blow. This isn't your best friend. Your best friend's gone, guy. And you need to accept that. And maybe she thinks she's dealing like a truth bomb and it's in his best interest. But really... Time and place, Molly. Yeah. She just kind of went extremely mama bear on him. Yeah. And it was, I think, pretty hurtful, actually. Oh, definitely. And I love Mrs. Weasley and I understand where she was coming from because she's protecting Harry. Yeah. But so is Sirius in his own way. Right. And I think that that gets across in this section. Yeah. Because Sirius is just like, I know perfectly well who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to say shit like that to me. And she's like, I'm not sure you do. Because sometimes the way you talk about him, it's like you have your best friend back. Eesh. And you know what? The movie tried to portray that as well, which we'll talk about later. They did. Well, also... Sirius has seen Harry in a totally different way, too, up to this point, yeah. than Molly has. Yeah. Molly has always been the mother figure to him. Molly has always seen him as, you know, her her Cub. other boy. Yeah. Her son. Where Sirius was literally rescued by him, like, the first time they actually really met. There is definitely a lot more equal footing between these two you than know? there would be between mother figure, son figure. Sirius was introduced to a boy who could hold his own against three grown wizards. Yeah. Sirius knows how badass Harry is. Yeah. He gets it. Sirius has seen what Harry can do. Molly hasn't, and so she has mom goggles on. Yeah. Even being told what Harry can do. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't not the process. same. No, it's not the same. 
All she can think is he shouldn't have to do things like that. He's a kid. Which, you know what? She's not wrong. She's not wrong. However, he is too deep in this. He is not a normal kid. No. I almost would kind of be like, worry about your other kids, Molly. Yeah. And Harry's also over there just like, well, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Where's the issue? I have very few things in life to look forward to at this point. <laughs> like, can I just have my father's best friend as my best friend? Like, Yeah. Hello? Can I just be Funkle serious for fuck's sake? Dog father serious? Dog fuck, come on, man. And we'll even talk about this a little bit later, how Harry is beginning to see Sirius as a mixture of father and brother. Yeah. Like, there's a familial bond there. Sirius, I feel like, represents hope to Harry. Right. I mean, he thought he had nobody. He thought he had no legit family. Sirius is the closest thing he's come to legit family. Yeah. Someone who knew his parents. Someone who knew him as a baby. And Harry is just, he might have dog son goggles on for himself, you know? Yeah. But also, they're in two so similar situations, Harry and Sirius, because Harry is stuck with the Dursleys most of the time. Not right now, but most of the time. And I mean, that's why that became our Potter pondering, mm -hmm. is who had it worse, because they were very similar situations. Yeah, exactly. And Sirius is stuck in this house. And the bond that the two shared was really important to both of them. And I get that Molly was trying to protect Harry, mm-hmm. but it was also kind of a shitty thing for her to try and take away from them both. Yeah. For two people who don't really have that much. Yeah. At least they had each other and she was kind of trying to hold him back from that. Yeah. And I know it was out of protecting Harry. It was out of love, but it was still not the right thing to do. And even when Harry asks what's wrong with that, her response is no matter how much you may look like your father. You're still in school. You're still a child. And the adults responsible for you need to remember that. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. It's just not how she should have gone about it. Yeah, I think it definitely could have been a conversation to have in private, not in front of Harry and the other kids. Yeah. If it needed to happen at all. But I also think that... Molly's got a little bit of control issues when she gets into mama bear mode. And that's something she probably needs to work on for herself. Definitely. But when she makes that comment about the adults responsible for him not forgetting that, Sirius just hears, you're an irresponsible dog father. Mm -hmm. Which she kind of is saying. She clearly thinks that he's irresponsible because when she clarifies what she says, she's like, you've just been known to act rashly. It got you put in Azkaban, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You say you're here for Harry now, but you couldn't be when you were in Azkaban for 12 years. That's low. It is low. It's so low. I just can't wrap my head around how low it is. I love Molly. I love Molly. And she's so wonderful. And she's so fucking fierce. And I love the hell out of her. But that was not okay. No. But everybody makes mistakes. Everybody says things out of emotion. And this is where she is. She is in an emotional protect Harry mama bear moment. Yeah. And not to me, it sounds to me like she doesn't understand the whole story either. I honestly don't know that she does. No. Probably because she's never bothered to ask Sirius. Yeah. You know, she knows what she's heard from other people. She knows what she's read in the paper. She knows what has been explained to her. But she has never gone to Sirius undoubtedly and just been like oh i'm sure look guy and like i said last week in some ways i think she views Sirius much the same way she views mundungus 
Mm-hmm. And I think that she kind of blames Sirius for getting himself put in Azkaban because he oh, acted yeah. rashly. I think that's what that comment says. Yeah. And it's clear that she feels that all that time in Azkaban merely just stunted any emotional growth he could have gone through had he not been in. So she's just under the assumption that he's the same crazy ass dude. Which, I mean, in some ways he is. He is. But he also makes some very valid points that she refuses to accept and see. Yeah. And I think that she's ignoring the fact that Sirius deserves sympathy, too. Mm-hmm. He has had a really rough life and has no one and is stuck back in the house that he desperately tried to get away from. Yeah. And it's just like, well, he's not a bear cub. He's not a boy. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't feel the need to try to take care of him like she does basically everybody else. Yeah. And I think that's just like a little bit of bias showing towards him. Definitely. But she tells him that like all of this is why Dumbledore keeps telling you to stay home. And Sirius is just like, can we not talk about Dumbledore's instructions to me? Mm-hmm. Like That has nothing to do with what we can tell Harry or not tell Harry. Yeah. And Mrs. Weasley at this point is just like, Arthur, back me up here. <laughs> Arthur's just in the corner going, right, as the peacekeeper. He actually takes his glasses off and starts polishing them, just really focusing on that. Maybe something will come to me the longer that I do this. Right. And eventually he's just like, look, Molly, Dumbledore knows that Harry's going to have to get some information now that he's literally staying here. We can't keep him in the dark. Mm -hmm. Things have changed a bit. He's here at headquarters. We got to fill him in. And Molly's just like, but there's that difference between just filling him in and inviting him to ask whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, he can ask what the fuck he wants, but you don't have to answer. Right. Like, you can't just shut down and be like, well, you can ask certain questions from this list of prescribed questions that we have written out for you. And Harry doesn't even know what to ask at this point. He's so oblivious to everything. Yeah. He's going to ask really basic, generic questions. He'll get some answers. He'll be satisfied. Mm -hmm. This is the first time he's been within arm's reach of any information since the end of school. Right. Information beyond Dumbledore made us promise not to tell you and Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Like he's just found out that everybody basically hates him. Everyone who reads the Daily Prophet, at least. Like, he's just been made aware of certain things that he had no idea about. Partially because he was a little too thick to actually read between the lines, literally. And maybe, just maybe, all of that information is going to get to him anyway, like they say in the movie, which we'll get to. But Mm -hmm. maybe, just maybe, you know, talk to him, have a conversation with him, support him through that shit. Yeah. Instead of trying to hide it from him. Yeah. This is what irritates me the most is I get not telling him certain things, especially with Dumbledore kind of having the inkling that something's going something's on. going on in his head and all that. So I get not telling him everything, but you can still lay out some basic facts Absolutely. for him. And that's even what Lupin says, because he speaks up to say it's probably better if Harry gets the basic picture from us mm-hmm. instead of a garbled one from others yeah and the way that he says others harry's just like oh lupin knows that there's still some extendable ears right (laughs) lupin knows what crookshanks was snacking on Mm -hmm. in the movie at least and this sentiment is kind of seen in the movie because moody made that comment about showing him the newspaper yeah because it's better he hears it from them yeah but it's still quite a bit different 
As per usual. As per usual. <laughs> but Mrs. Weasley's just like, well, it's obvious I'm going to be overruled. So she just makes one last ditch effort to drive her point home. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, as someone who has Harry's best interests at heart. <sighs> and this is when Sirius is just like, he's not your son. Mm-hmm. And she makes the, he's as good as. Which was in the movie, like we were saying. Wondering who else he's got. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was mentioned very much in passing. In passing. Again, if you didn't have subtitles on, you were probably going to miss it. Right. And that's when Sirius is just like, he has me. And then Molly, like I said earlier, makes that comment about how he wasn't able to look after him while he was in Azkaban and just like, you know, mm-hmm. twist the knife a little bit. Yeah. Pours some salt on the wound. Yeah, squeezes bit. a lemon. You know, all stuff that Sirius may be doing in his own mind himself. Oh, for sure. But it's so much worse when it comes from the outside. Yeah. Sirius has to be beating himself up. Oh, for sure. everything Especially still. since... That's all he can do. All he can mm-hmm. do is sit around and stew in all of the ways that he has messed up that has gotten him to that point. Yeah. I'm going to go cry for serious. Hold I know, right? <sighs> but yeah, we all went through quarantine, guys. We know what happens. If- and he didn't even have Netflix to binge. Exactly. He didn't have Netflix. He didn't have Spotify. He didn't have TikTok. He had Buckbeak. He had Buckbeak. That was it. That can only be and entertaining for so And his mother's portrait and creature. Right? Ooh. In a murder house. In a murder house. In a goddamn murder house that he hated growing up in and is now stuck in. Founder Potter pondering, I don't even know which would be worse for Sirius, being trapped back at his childhood home or being in Azkaban. Mm. You know what? Which one would be worse for him? Which one sucks more happiness? But yeah, so that's what I want to know. That'll be our Potter pondering. Obviously, Molly's comment upsets Sirius and Mm -hmm. he just full on stands up. But Peacekeeper Lupin, between Lupin and Arthur, we got people that know how to calm down the others. Yeah. Lupin's just like, Molly, you are not the only person at this table that cares about Harry. Mm-hmm. Check yourself. Yeah. But then he's also just like, serious, sit the fuck back down. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do right now to Molly Weasley, to Mama Weasley? <laughs> what are you going to do to her right now in front of her children that yeah. would be a good idea? Yeah. Sit down. In what world does this end well, right. Sirius? Do tell me. Because I can tell you in no world. But Lupin being Lupin also knows to just keep going. Distract, distract, distract. He says, Harry's old enough to have a say in this. Mm-hmm. Which Harry's just like, I want to know. Tell me what's going on. That's yeah. all I've wanted to know all fucking summer. Just tell me. <laughs> just tell me. Just tell me. So Mrs. Weasley's just like, fine, whatever. But Fred, George, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, you all need to go off to bed. Oh. I don't think that's going to go well, is it? It does not. No. It does not. Fred and George immediately start screaming that they're of age. They want to stay. Like, you can't send us to bed. We are of age. Mm, But can she, though? She can try. Yeah. She certainly does. Ron is shouting about how Harry's allowed. I want to stay. Harry's allowed. (laughs) And Ginny's just like, I want to know. I want to know. They're all like, also all of these redheads are just screaming right now. Right. Some fiery gingers. Yep. (laughs) And Mr. Weasley's just like, you can't stop Fred and George. They are legally of age. Mm -hmm. So she's like, fine, whatever. But Ron and Ginny, you need to go to bed. And she's also like, Hermione too. Like, I know that. You're not my kid. but She knows, but she's like, go to bed. (laughs) <laughs> and Ron's just like, hello, mom. 
Harry is going to tell me and Hermione everything that he learns as soon as we see him next time anyway. There's right. no point in keeping us out. Yeah. And she's just like, fine, whatever. But Jenny, you are going to bed. <laughs> and I mean, same argument, but okay. Well, at this point, they don't really know that there is a good bond between Jenny and Hermione or anything like that. They yeah. She just needs to win one fight here. So she is not going to back down on this one. And unfortunately for everybody in the house, Ginny is also not going to let this one slide. And she goes, muttering under her breath, maybe even yelling at some points. Pure teen angst. Oh, yeah. And all of the noise that she's making also wakes up Sirius's mom's portrait. So now we have the screaming coming from crazy Gary Oldman's mom. (laughs) Yes. You like that? crazy Gary Oldman's mom I that works but yeah she's not pulling any punches the one quote that I have always felt relates to Ginny so much is though she may be little she is fierce tiny but fierce yes I can't blame her no could you imagine being the one sibling that doesn't get to stay and hear the information when it's a one year age difference I'd lose my shit and girls are more mature than boys typically anyway right like that's just that is 100% mama Weasley making a point and just asserting some kind of dominance in some way because she has no control over anything else and shit's scary for her right now yeah which I understand, but I'm not going to lie. If I were Ginny, I'd be like, you know, maybe if I was let in on some of the uh, more adult conversations, I wouldn't have been writing in Tom Riddle's diary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, mom? Mum. <laughs> what do you think about that? Lupin slips out to quiet down the crazy, crazy Gary Oldman's mom. <laughs> and then when he gets back, Sirius turns to Harry and he's just like, so what do you want to know? Ask and you shall possibly mm-hmm. get an answer. No guarantees, but we'll try. But like I said, Harry stays pretty generic with his questions. He just wants to know what's going on. He's just like, yeah. where's Voldemort? What's he doing? Yeah. That does not mean you have to give crazy details that Harry doesn't need to know. Just not at all, man. Harry's just over there like nothing on the Muggle News has told me anything. They There's no indication that he's back. And I don't understand mm-hmm. that. But Sirius is just like, that's because there haven't been any suspicious deaths that we know about. Yeah. It hasn't reached the Muggle News because there's nothing to reach the news. Mm-hmm. So Harry's just like, well, then why isn't he killing people? He likes killing people. <laughs> I saw him kill people. He's not killing people. What is going on? There is a lack of dead people, and I don't know why. Well, his dog father explains that at this point, he's just not trying to draw attention to himself. Yeah. He's being stealthy right now in Covert. a string of bodies. Is not stealthy. Mm-hmm. And it's worth He knows how to stay under the radar. Oh, yeah. And he especially has to stay under the radar because he didn't quite get the comeback he was hoping for. Yeah. That was supposed to be like a super sneaky, take Harry's blood, come back, kill, kill Harry. Harry. No mm-hmm. one knows. Yeah. It's just where'd Harry go? And then, of course, you know, take over the whole fucking world. That is Pinky and the Brain's plan right there. Yes. Wormtail, are you pondering what I'm pondering? (laughs) (laughs) That is just what happened. (laughs) Lupin explains to Harry that you're actually the one that messed it up for him. Mm -hmm. It's like his comeback didn't quite work out because you were never supposed to survive. Yeah, way to go. But since you escaped, 
and then immediately told the one person that Voldemort never wanted to know. Mm-hmm. You kind of screwed things up for him. Good on you. Yeah. So yay on one hand. But it didn't quite go over as shockingly as you would have thought. No, it didn't quite work out properly. But Mm-mm. there are benefits to it. Like alerting Dumbledore almost immediately after his return allowed Dumbledore to start the Order of the Phoenix back up mm-hmm. within an hour of Voldemort's return. Yeah. Like that was almost an instantaneous, oh, Voldemort's back, Order of the Phoenix, let's take this bitch down. Yeah. Got right under that fire and just lit it. Yep. And when you're talking about the fucking Dark Lord coming back, seconds matter. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. But bringing up the Order of the Phoenix now has Harry wanting to know what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. So Sirius explains that their main thing is to just block Voldemort's plans in any way that they can. Yeah. And Dumbledore thinks that one of his main goals is to build an army back up. Usually the correct next step. Yeah. Right. I mean, you come back from the dead, essentially. As far as anybody knows, you're not going to have a lot of followers because they think you're dead. You got to yeah. get those back. You know, you got to get that phone tree going. Right. You know, get everyone to call everyone else and let them know, hey, we're back in action. Have you heard about our Dark Lord and Savior? <laughs> Have you accepted our Dark Lord as your personal Savior? <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Have you accepted our Dark Lord as your personal Savior killer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, basically. Mm-hmm. Mormon. Did you just Mormon the villain of this story, Katie? <laughs> So anyway, while Voldemort is trying to go door to door and build up his followers, Harry wants to know what the Order's doing to stop that. That's a logical question. Right. Like, what are you doing to stop that? And Bill's like, well, mostly it's been trying to convince as many people as possible that you know who is back. Because Mm -hmm. if they know he's back, they can protect themselves to a certain extent of... Being imperious or something. Yeah. Because that's how he gets a lot of his followers. He steals them. Yeah. He does not play fair. What do you expect? He's on the dark side. He's not a good guy. No. He's not exactly someone you would think of when you hear the words fair fight. No. You know? But anyway, Bill says they're trying to convince as many people as possible, but that is proving tricky because of the ministry's attitude. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not even a little bit of that happens in the movie. No. (laughs) Like you said, no argument between Molly and Sirius, no protests from the Weasley kids, no tantrums from Ginny that wake up Mrs. Crazy Gary Oldman's mom. Partially because there was no Crazy Gary Oldman's mom in the movie, which, boo. Boo. Also, Harry doesn't even really ask any questions. He's just freely given some information about what it is that he'll find out eventually. Like, he's understandably confused, considering that movie Harry doesn't even get the profit delivered, so... Yeah. But then the information that he learns in The Daily Prophet in this section does correspond with what book Harry learned from Ron, Hermione, Ginny, Fred, and George in the first half of this chapter. So at least they got the information in there a bit. Yeah, a little bit. And it does kind of end up lining this part of the conversation that happens in the book. So having that information given here keeps it on track Mm because they do make reference to it. When Tonks reminds Harry how Corny Fudge has been acting, like you remember how he reacted when you first told him, you know, who came back. Yeah, that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. 
dude's still being completely irrational about it mm-hmm. and refuses to believe anything that has happened. Yeah, things haven't gotten better, guy. And Harry's just like, but why is he being so stupid? Did you just hear the sentence you said, guy? <laughs> I mean, answers in the question. Yeah. Saying. And then Mr. Weasley and Tonks are both trying to explain that it's because Fudge is scared of Dumbledore. He literally thinks that Dumbledore is plotting to overthrow him so that he can become Minister of Magic himself. And Harry's just like, but why is he being so stupid? Like, nobody in their right mind would think that Dumbledore wants to be Minister of Magic. Yeah. And why would you think that Dumbledore wanted to be Minister of Magic and not pay any attention to the person who legitimately does want to rule the wizarding world? Yeah. I feel like even if Harry were wrong, that would be something I would at least want to check on. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Just for safety's sake. Yeah, maybe maybe take the news that the world's worst dark wizard has returned seriously and then be relieved if he's wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That is the literal definition of better safe than sorry. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Right. Come on. Except if you're fudge, in which case you... Pretend the best is already there and prepare yourself for a situation that makes no goddamn sense. There you go. But he also is just super insecure because when he was first elected as the prime minister mm-hmm. of magic, everybody actually wanted Dumbledore to do it. And Dumbledore was just like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So he had a lot of popular support. Yeah. That on some level, Fudge is just like, I would not have this job. Like all Dumbledore needs to be like is, you know what? I changed my mind. Fudge is a moron. I will be Minister of Magic. And everybody would be like, okay. Yeah. And then Fudge just gets cast aside. And that insecurity isn't based in nothing because he knows. Yeah. He knows what Dumbledore is. He knows what he's capable of. He knows how clever he is. He knows he used to always ask him for advice. Mm -hmm. He is well aware that this wizard is a billion gazillion trillion times more competent than he is. But I can't let anyone else know that, of course. So no. we have to make Dumbledore crazy as fuck. Dumbledore's just trying to stir up trouble. I'm the clever one. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Me, me, me. I'm the minister of magic. Me. But I think it's also not just insecurity. I think it's just also that fear of knowing what it was like 14 years ago mm-hmm. and not wanting to deal with that again. Yeah. Which is definitely what the movie projects when Lupin tries to explain that Fudge has just gone fucking cuckoo bananas and thinks that Dumbledore wants to take over shit. Yeah. Harry points out that this is insane. Ding. Ding. (laughs) And Lupin's just like, yeah, no shit. Boy's going nuts. He's cray cray in the hey hey. He should be sharing a room at St. Mungo's with Lockhart right now. Dude has (laughs) lost it. Lost it. However, last time Voldemort was up and kicking, shit was bad. Like, really really bad. bad. You owe me a Coke. (laughs) So Fudge is just going to ignore all the bad stuff because he doesn't want it to get Voldy bad again and seems to be under the delusion that if he just denies it, it will go away. And I'd say that is a ding, like you said. Mm -hmm. Plus, the book chapter also mentions that the Ministry is leaning heavily on the Daily Prophet to avoid printing any of what they're calling Dumbledore's rumor mongering. Mm. And I think the movie definitely got that point across. Oh, yeah. For sure. It also mentions that as a result, most of the wizarding world doesn't even know anything has happened that makes them easy targets for the Imperius Curse, which is yep. how Voldemormen recruits. Yes, exactly. One of the ways. Yes. Aside from going door to door. So, <laughs> ding dong, Imperio. <laughs> 
So Harry's just sitting there like, but you're telling people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're trying to inform people. So you guys are out there telling people that Voldemort is back, right? Right. You guys are covering some ground. Yeah. Sirius is just like, well, everyone thinks I'm a mass murderer. So I can't really just start going and handing out leaflets. Mm -hmm. I just love that vision of just like Sirius ringing doorbells and just being like, Voldemort is back. And they're just like, Sirius Black. (laughs) (laughs) Standing outside the leaky cauldron with like pamphlets and shit just have you heard the news have you heard the news dark lord's back pass the word (laughs) and then on top of that lupin's just like well i'm a werewolf Mm -hmm. so people don't like my kind or trust my kind yes not exactly a popular dinner guest (laughs) and again you have that vision of like lupin going from door to door knock 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 yeah have you heard about the dark lord and they're just like werewolf (laughs) (laughs) but they also point out that Tonks and Arthur, since they work, and Kingsley too, even though he's not actually mentioned in this moment. Yeah. But they'd lose their jobs at the ministry if they started spouting all of this stuff out. And they need to be at the ministry because it's important for them to have spies there too, because you know Voldemort does. Of course. And then Mr. Weasley does share that they have been able to recruit some new people like Tonks and Kingsley, Mm -hmm. who especially has been a real asset because he's in charge of the hunt for Sirius. Being an R that he is. That's so fitting. And he's just like, I hear he's in Tibet. <laughs> we should go look in Tibet for him. Which was our trivia question. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, basically the only person left that can actually spread the word of Voldemort's return is Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why he's in so much trouble because he's been spreading the word and now they're just trying to discredit him so that his word doesn't mean anything. And they voted him out of the chairmanship of the International Confederation of Wizards. Mm-hmm. He's been demoted from Chief Warlock of the Wizengamot. And on top of that, they're like, you know what? You know what will really do it? Let's take away of his Order of Merlin first class. That's like half his name right there, Ellen. <laughs> I know. I know his full name. Professor Albus Percival Wilfred Brian Dumbledore, Order of Merlin first class, headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Supreme Mugwump of the International Confederation of Wizards, and Chief Warlock of the Wizengamot. They took away the last two, and now they're trying to take away his actual Order of Merlin first class. He would just be Professor Albus Percival Wilfred Brian Dumbledore, headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That's it. That sounds so short. I know. I didn't even run out of breath saying that. Poor Dumbledore. Although Bill is just like... But he says, as long as they don't take him off the chocolate frog cards, he's fine. (laughs) You know what? He's got his priorities, and that's the important thing. That is the important thing. Although Arthur is just like, this is not a laughing matter, Bill. And Bill's just kind of like, you gotta laugh or you're gonna cry. But Mr. Weasley's concern is that carrying on the way he has been could literally get Dumbledore arrested. And the last thing they want is for him to be an Azkaban. Although, knowing Dumbledore, he's just like, I could break out, of course, but we'll get to that, too. Oh, my God. I love Dumbledore so much. (laughs) And Harry's just sitting over here like, but if Voldemort is trying to recruit followers, the news is bound to get out eventually. Theoretically, yes. However, Dogfather reminds him that Voldemort is well-practiced in operating in secrecy. Yeah. And he has other plans, too. Dun, dun, dun. This is fairly similar to the movie. So, yay, dingy kind of thing. Dingish. Dingish. Ding adjacent. <laughs> Sirius points out that the last time everything went down, Voldemort had huge numbers because there were a lot of dicks. 
And not just witches and wizards, but like super bad guys. Like the worst of the worst creatures you can imagine. All the baddies. All of them. All the baddies. So he's looking to do that again. And he's out there with some good old Uncle Voldy posters telling the assholes that they can just be all the assholes they can be. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want you as a Death Eater. No. Voldemormon. <laughs> but yeah, and the Order is trying to do the same, but there's other shit going on as well. Sirius starts to mention that gathering followers isn't the only thing that Voldemormon wants to do, and Moody clears his throat in an obvious attempt to get Sirius to shut the fuck up. Like, <clears throat> fuck off. Stop it. On the secret <clears throat> say. <clears throat> shut the fuck up, guy. Which is the closest that it got yeah. to there being any indication that maybe no one wanted Harry to get this information. Right. Until the end. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because Dogfather is just feeling a bit more chatty at the moment. Yeah. And he continues on saying that they think he's after something, which, I mean, yeah, no shit. Yes. Thank you for that incredibly vague description of he's after something. Yeah. Really? Of course he is. Aside from followers? A nose, maybe? I mean, he's probably after a lot of things. Yeah. That's Harry for sure. Definitely Harry. A way to kill Harry. Like, there's a lot of shit that the man could be after. Yeah. But at this point, Mrs. Weasley, who is chopping vegetables, just stops. And she's like, guy, you need to shut the fuck up. And Moody just warningly is like, serious? Serious. Mm, in that gruff and grumble. Yeah, Moody voice. Which doesn't yeah. happen in the book because he's not present for this scene. No, not at all. He dropped <laughs> Harry off and stayed for the meeting and then left, basically. Mm-hmm. But serious, he's going to keep choosing his words carefully. He says that, you know, it's something he didn't have last time. Again, very vague. Very vague. Super vague. This situation is not just handing Harry all of the answers to all of the questions. And the vagueness is just ramping up Harry's meddling. Oh, yeah. Metal activate. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, he hasn't really gotten to use it all summer, so. He's tried. He's tried. The closest he's gotten to express his meddling desires is to lay underneath windowsills and listen into the news. Unless you're watching the movie, in which case he hasn't gotten to do anything. No, nothing. So Harry's like trying to play like the $25,000 pyramid and he's like, things you would dress a monkey up in. 20 questions. (laughs) Things you would say in Paris. Is it a mineral? (laughs) Some kind of weapon. There we go. Bling. Okay. Yes. And aside from the fact that, like I said, Moody isn't in this part of the chapter, it is kind of similar to the book. Because Harry wants to know what Voldemort is after, aside from followers, and Sirius vaguely explains that it's something like a weapon, also saying that something he can only get by stealth, something he didn't have last time. So we're dingish here as well. Mm -hmm. This is ding adjacent. Yes, definitely. And then Harry's just like, is it something worse than a Vada Kedavra? And this is just the last straw for Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> you bring up killing curses around her children and she's just like, no. Yeah. Done. Shutting down the conversation. Shop is closed, children. And she tells all of the kids to go to bed, which, of course, Fred tries to argue. He's like, of you course. can't boss us around. We're of age. And she's like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Molly's got the mom look locked and loaded oh, yeah. right there. Just like, try me. And it was enough that... They actually did not try and argue further than that. And Mm -hmm. they kind of recognized their defeat. 
And then she looks at Sirius and it's like, that's plenty. Mm-hmm. We're done here. Any more information and you may as well just induct him into the order. Yeah. And similarly, though not quite in the same angry fashion in the movie, Mrs. Weasley sets down her knife and says, no. I would just have expected her to stab it into the cutting board. Right? I mean, she was not happy, but. That's what I would have done, man. But she's just like, no, mm-mm, this isn't happening. She takes the article away and she reminds Sirius that he's just a boy. This Quit telling too, him shit, yeah, This dude. is too much information. This is too much, man. If you tell him anymore, you might as well just give him the oath and or whatever they do to induct into the order and just share all the fucking secrets with him. Which, that's another ding. That's, it's yeah. pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And Harry's just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like in both, he really does this. But in the book especially, he's just like, yeah, I want to join. I want to fight. Yeah. And it's actually Lupin who speaks up and says no, that the order is for overage wizards and fred and george are like and lupin's just like who are out of school (laughs) and he tells sirius also i think we have said enough and sirius is just like whatever but he doesn't he like shrugs his shoulder but he doesn't argue anymore yeah he just lets it go and harry's just like lost my allies Mm -hmm. we really have no choice but to follow mrs weasley's order and go up to bed so that's where the book chapter ends yeah and in the movie same exact thing in the book. And Harry's just like, good. I want to join. If bring Baltimore's it on. building an army, I want to fight. Yeah. Bring this shit on. I I want to be in on this. And Sirius is just kind of like sitting back like, yeah, see, told you. See, see, huh. He wants to do it. That's not me. He said it. It's him. You heard him. You just heard what the man said. That's what the man said. You heard what he said. <laughs> and he looks over at Harry and he gives him like this wink, which I'm not going to lie is sexy as fuck. Uh. Oh, dear God. Sexy Gary Oldman. Oh, my Lord. Now that I got to go take a cold shower, that's where we end the movie section for this. And Harry's never actually told that he can't join the order. It's just ended there. It just cuts off. Yeah, Yeah. it just ends it. Which, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, obviously, we know from the rest of the movie that he doesn't join. Right. And it just ends on that sexy, sexy wink. And it's just... mm. Mm. It's just a little twitch of the eye. Oh, God. Fuck. Can't. Sorry. Speaking of that sexy, sexy wink, though, why don't we talk about the slightly more mild-mannered Gary Oldman returning as Sirius Black? Let's do, please. Oh, good Lord. I just love how he embodies every character he plays. Yeah. He's amazing. And there's just something from the moment that Harry goes running up to him to hug him. He was serious. He was. And he just projected the absolute right. Like, he just exuded from every orifice. Mm-hmm. Serious Black. He didn't have to say anything. Just the way he sat in the chair. Just the way he gave that wink. Yeah. He had that cocky arrogance that you expected to see from Serious Black. Yeah. Especially since he's had some time away from Azkaban to get his shit back together. Yeah. And you got to think, too, this is probably one of the proudest moments he's had with Harry. It's all just right in his expression. And he's just like, really? You sure he's not James? (laughs) I'd say my biggest disappointment is not even his fault. They left so many other things out of this scene that he could have done and been awesome at. I would have loved to see him and Molly or, in other words, Gary Oldman and... (laughs) Julie and Walters, Julie Walters just yeah. go head to head. How fucking epic would that be? It would have been great. And I can't believe we got bilked from it. We really did. We got hoodwinked is what we got. Mm-hmm. We also had David Thewlis as Remus Lupin, 
who just also embodied Remus Lupin. He really did. He came across as the voice of reason. And that's... And I think he always was. Yeah. That's how I always saw the Marauders, was Sirius and James were the troublemakers. More so Sirius. But the two of them definitely fed off of one another. And then Remus was the one that, like, was the responsible one. Voice of reason. Voice of reason. And And then then Peter was along for the ride. Basically, yeah. He was the little fanboy. Mm-hmm. Actually, the thing that disappoints me the most, I'm glad that he was in this scene, and I'm glad that they actually gave him some lines. Yeah. But, oh, boy, did he get bilked out of this movie. Oh, yeah. And he does have some good moments later on, much later on. So in a couple of years, we'll probably end up right. talking about it. <laughs> Sometime next century, right? we'll get to this talking point. But, yeah, he's... But he did such a great job, like, doing the teacherly, calming thing that he did when he was explaining things to Harry. Mm-hmm. You can't just put anyone in a cardigan and expect them to come across as well as he did. Oh, he did so good. You know? If Mr. Rogers was a werewolf, I'm right? telling you what. <laughs> like, I was still a little irked awkwardly by the Sherlock Holmes mustache he had going on. <laughs> but you know what? I'll accept it. It was such a minor thing. And it was not necessarily his fault either. Yeah. That, that just could be what they decided he needed. Yeah. But my thing with it is he is one of the few responsible adults in mm-hmm. Harry's life. And it's such a shame that he gets that cast upon him as being something negative because of the werewolf that's not his fault either yeah because he is so kind and he's so understanding and he's so accepting and he's so helpful he plays both an adult a peer position for harry but he also gives him the chance to like grow like he's allowing harry to know these things too and i feel like even though it was minimal that still shined through his performance. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yes. And it makes me so mad that we couldn't get more of that. Mm-hmm. Because they do have a very special bond, as we learn more about later in the books anyway. In the book, yeah. So obviously, we'll end up talking more about it. But that is pretty much it for our actors. Yeah. There's a few other people in this scene. Some we've already talked about. Some have better moments next. So Yeah, we're just going to hold on to it until then. Because why talk about someone who hasn't done anything? Right. It's not much to talk about. (laughs) Exactly. But that'll bring us to this week's Potter Pondering, which is, which do you think was worse for Sirius? Being locked up in Azkaban or cooped up at Grimmauld Place? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. The Banner, The Murder House. Let's hear it. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Sarah Baines Miller, who is currently at my house. (laughs) She writes, according to Pottermore, I'm in Gryffindor, though I think I should be in Ravenclaw. My Patronus is a wild rabbit, and my wand is spruce wood with a phoenix feather core, ten and three quarters, and surprisingly swishy flexibility. My love of Harry Potter began a little late, in college. My baby sister really missed me. She begged me to read this cool new book she was reading so we could talk about it over the phone. That book ended up being Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. 
Since that infamous day in 2004, I have reread the series 19 times. Currently, I'm on my 20th reread of the books. But that's because I got super drunk one night and was ranting about how JKR should just stop writing stupid stuff on Twitter and start rewriting the books from different characters' points of view. Well, one thing led to another, and my BFF dared me to rewrite all of the Harry Potter books, chapter for chapter, from Hermione's perspective. And because I'm a spiteful and stubborn person, I'm doing just that. I've rewritten the first three books, and I'm starting the fourth. I'd like to thank Just Keep Rolling Podcast and Rum for getting me through the time turner. <laughs> I love Sarah. She's so talented. Too. She's so talented. She's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. It just makes it so enjoyable to read. And she also has this amazing grasp on Hermione's character mm-hmm. that makes her even more real. She makes her tolerable to me. So that's an impressive that's saying thing. something. <laughs> yeah. So... If you haven't had a chance to read them, definitely check them out. We shared the link to the stories on one of our Fan Art Friday mm-hmm. posts. We so did. you can go back through those and find the links there. Yep. And thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Sarah. Yes, thank you very much. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media or just post it on our Sorting Hat Saturday post. Mm-hmm. This week's trivia question is, what did Mrs. Weasley find under the sofa in the drawing room? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag sounds lovely will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 6, the noble and most ancient House of Black, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.